Hello and welcome to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson, your host, and joining me is Dr. Peter Bernstein. Today we are continuing in our series on how to survive through adversity. Dr. Bernstein, or Peter as he likes to be called, Mm -hmm. is a coach and mentor with 49 years of experience helping people survive and grow through trauma, struggles, and hard times, Mm -hmm. the stuff of real life. The goal of our series is to help you discover what we've experienced, that adversity is more than a trial to endure, it can be an exciting opportunity to learn, grow, and thrive. Right. Very good, Jenny. Yeah. Sounds good. I'm sitting here. Yep. She, she, yep. By the way, our, our technical uh, mechanisms are getting more sophisticated here, and uh, we don't have to wear earphones and headphones anymore. So it's we're getting, and it looks like things are more. I'm not the technician around here. Our producer is, and Jenny was an engineer, so she relates to it. But I definitely can see there's new technology around us. I'm grateful for not wearing the headphones. It feels more natural. More natural. Yes. Well, we want to be more natural, so we are. Yes. Anyway, um, this show today is, um, you know, each show that we do, episode, for me is based on real life experience, um, and then I find a way to put it together, um, you know somehow to be encouraging and supportive and offer hope to others. But I want to make something clear about that. This is not the kind of hope that's pie in the sky, you know, esoteric stuff. I'm talking about, I know, personally, I'm going through it, and I know other, so many we're helping do, that there's a lot of emotionality and pain and grief that goes with what the subject matter that we're talking about. Um, you know, people ask me, well, how can you stay so objective about what you do? And the truth is, well, I do both. Um, there are times when I'm not filled with grief. There are times that I'm very clear I'm, I'm about the subject, about uh, what we're dealing with and helping others with. And other times I have to do both. I'm as, I'm as grief-stricken and pained as anybody we help. And I just know the difference. My body tells me. I, I do read my body, and I do read what, what I've been doing this a long time, and it tells me a lot about where I am, and it's not always painless whatsoever. So I don't want to ever draw that kind of, I want to draw a realistic picture, but a hopeful picture. Um, but when the emotions are running really high, I want to say it's kind of hard to grasp the hope and have the perspective and uh, all of that. It, you just have to know deeper down that you're going to get through it. And as long as you're going to deal with it, and we're going to talk about it today, you will come through the other side and you will get a deeper, more clear perspective again on the direction you're moving. I want to add something to that, sure. which is, and I think it really fits with the theme of our podcast, which is mm-hmm. that for me, having worked through or gone through difficult times, yeah. adversity, uh, painful things, the more I have worked through them, the more hope I have when things get difficult mm-hmm. that I can work through this again. Absolutely. That's part of your arsenal. And I was just reading a paper that we wrote, and I want to, uh, we'll be referring it to it today. We think, I think it's a great paper. <laughs> I get encouraged by it. Um, but we're, believe it or not, you're blessed because when the tough times hit, 
you have an arsenal to fall back on to know that you're going to come through it. And there is hope. And that's part of the hope. Um, the folks that really are at a handicap, a disability, are folks that think life has really been real easy on them. Um, they're in control. They're doing well. And I, I've been there, too. And it's a nice, comfortable place. But I'll tell you what, when the difficulties come, and they will and they do, we don't, you don't have the arsenal to fall back on. And that's, that's very difficult, very. So even though we've been through a lot, and you're talking about what you've been through, that's part of your arsenal. Absolutely. That's part of the things you can fall back on and know, well, I, don't, I would like to run away from all of this and bury my head in the sand, but I know better. I know that if I, if I face it, I will get through it, I'll work it through, and I'll come out better. I don't know when, but I know it always happens because I've had this happen before. I've done it before. Things similar. Yeah. I've had many uh, for a good part of my life. And uh, when people ask me questions about uh, life after my wife passes, I can say I'm not quite sure, but I know this, that I've been through other things before that I don't have answers for, but somehow I always get through them. And um, I have the trust and faith that when the time comes, there'll be answers. There'll be provision. There'll be direction. But I can't always see it when we're going through all this. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about realistic hope. Hope isn't just knowing everything's going to be fine right now and having a clear picture of where you're going. And that's not hope. No. It's, that's fantasy. Hope is, is not like that. It's kind of having trust and faith in things that you can't quite even see yet but you know you're going to come out for the better it's going to end things are going to get better and you're going to move on with your life and with a deeper sense of purpose usually my purpose is to help others um and the more difficult my life becomes for whatever reason the more empathy i have for others and i can come alongside others in a way that i couldn't before i live for that to me, that's a sense of purpose in my life. Now, I know that's not everybody's. That's been mine. So um, that gives me hope. It also gives me an energy and a, and a, and a passion um, that I'm going to... That, that hope gives me a way to move forward, to keep going, and to draw upon that every day. And I do take it one day at a time. But I've dealt with... I help a lot of people, and I hear what they do, too. And there's plenty of people that have their own style of hope and moving forward and coping. We've seen many, um, and I'm learning more all the time. So are you. Uh, we've had some very um, touching experiences lately, particularly with the Fijian population of caregivers, um, which we're going to develop some training programs for them, uh, for their caregiving, and, and uh, they need it. But We actually had some feedback from our last podcast when we mentioned the meeting with the Fijian caregivers Mm -hmm. uh, with some follow-up questions. So I want to make sure we get to those today. We will, and we will. But you know what I want to do? We have a letter that uh, the the nonprofit, Sonoma Coastal Treatment, uh, is an introductory letter to what they do. And I like to read it because I think there's some substance to this letter that will give our listeners an idea of... The, with these, the Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment supports us. They are they sponsor our they sponsor our program, and they do some beautiful work. and And I want to read this because I think it's a great letter, personally. So I'm reading it to the all of you out there today. And this is uh, it says, "Dear whoever we're sending it to, Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment (SCTT) is a 501c3 public benefit corporation." 
run entirely by volunteer efforts and donations. We keep our expenses to the absolute minimum to ensure that our funds go to those who most need support. We're committed to addressing the high rates of disease, disability, and morbidity in the caregiver population in general, but particularly in those who care for the elderly. Also, we deal with caregivers who deal with veterans, family members, too. Um, but we've opened it up because so many caregivers are now coming to us that aren't necessarily associated with military. Um, and we're helping all. We're involved with all kinds of caregivers now. It says, what drives us? 76 million baby boomers are moving into retirement age. Wow. Approximately 70% will need some level of assistance as they age. In 2010, the elderly constituted 13% of our nation's population defined as those age 65 or older. That includes me. I don't feel that old. Okay, this number is expected to grow to 20% by 2030. This dramatic demographic change, coupled with the ever-rising costs of senior living, memory care residences, or in-home care, is driving a tremendous demand for caregivers. The working and emotional demands upon these caregivers, whether they are in-home family or professional, semi-professional staff is quite often overwhelming. Right, so right. What do we offer? This is Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment. We offer local solutions and resources. Our community-centered program of services and referrals trains, coaches, supports, and encourages caregivers in ways that enhance their physical and emotional renewal while building their physical and emotional resilience and nurturing a sense of hope and restoration. To provide services to the community, SCTT contracts with selected professionals and organizations. At present, our services include caregiver coaching and mentoring, caregiver training, caregiver support groups and facilitator training for support group leaders, on-site caregiving evaluations, referrals to select local resources, and we are finding um, Caregivers for families in need now. We're helping make connections. We yeah. are. The, We're doing the, it. The, the nonprofit is. We are one of the nonprofit's vendors, and we help in some of this role. And this vendor, these vendors right here, are working really hard. We work hard. Um, to find good, we have a, we're finding a lot of good caregivers, um, which is wonderful. And we're able to sort it out. And it's a big community. Um, so we're doing it in more personal ways, which I like. Um, let's see. So I think that's about it. I could say innovative community outreach. They told me not to bother to read this because it talks about the radio show. So we don't need to read that. Um, anyway, our podcasts are supported and endorsed by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment. It's a great nonprofit, and it's evolving into something so meaningful and purposeful. Okay, and the chairman of our nonprofit happens to be our producer. And he just flashed a two-minute, what is that? It's our two-minute warning. Okay, so we have a little warning. That means we probably have a minute and a half left. Yes, we could actually save the time for our next segment. Okay, we why don't to. we do that now because we'll, our next segments will move on. For, yeah, yeah, instead of starting something. Yeah, You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break.
Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, Today, in our first segment, we talked about uh, bringing hope, uh, a a, a practical, realistic, not pie-in-the-sky hope out of the difficult things we go through and having gone through them, learned and and grown Grow. through the experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, then we spend a little time talking about the um, nonprofit that sponsors our podcast and some of the really important work that they're doing that we feel deeply Im- important and are are really privileged to be part of working with I them. Feel very committed to the whole thing. Very committed, and it's personal too. I mean, I'm dealing with it with my wife and my mother. You're dealing with it with your dad, your your husband, my father, my mother-in-law, and my brother-in-law. It's just happening all over the place, and yes. we seem to be surrounded by it. Not just in our in- inner circle, but geez, the whole community. But you know, um, one of the things that and Steve was with me, our producer. We we had dealt with a we had our nonprofit originally not our but the nonprofit originally was set up to help veterans come from uh, deal with post traumatic stress, the stresses of being wounded and recovering, the family pressures they were under, um, and we at times were uh, involved with the Navy SEALs, and they had so many things going on and they had so many missions compared to the rest of the military so their 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 situations were really very serious but we were committed and we still are to supporting the seals but i remember we went to a graduation there uh of the uh, the buds uh, training yeah yes and it was a down on coronado yeah and you know it was interesting i met a lot of navy seals from my neighborhood i couldn't believe it in new jersey in new jersey (laughs) i knew they were we were tough but these kids, and they were much younger than I was, but it was like they still talk like I do and from New Jersey, and yeah. they were Navy SEALs. Yeah. But it, except they call me sir, which I thought was very nice, but I told yeah. them they didn't have to. But anyway, one of the things from the, uh, the speaker, which I thought was beautifully done, and they talked about adversity, and they, and they talked about uh, a, a, a saying. They didn't make it up, but I can't remember. It was some uh, poet, I don't, but they, it was... The theme was adversity introduced. Now, remember, the seals are all male. Yes. Introduces a man to himself. And they spoke about um, the difficulties that they're designed to meet, which are the most difficult. And they they had some people there that had, uh, in fact, some of my close friends were Navy SEALs command that have been retired. But um, they talked about the strength that it takes, the attitudes um, that come from meeting these difficulties and the, the, the resilience that they develop, they, they prize that. Uh, the people I know that have been Navy SEALs are astounding people, most of them. Um, and uh, when they spoke at this thing, they were, it was so inspiring because here was a young group coming through the BUDS training and uh, they were now ready to meet. I think the, I don't remember what team they were going to be on, but I think out of uh, I can't remember the amount of people who started the training and what the graduation class. I forgive me, the number does. I think it was 189, and the graduated class was like 43. Steve might remember. I don't, but that's how difficult the training was. And they wanted to put them through difficulties and adversity that most of us can't even imagine. 
um, and teach them how to, to to think on their feet, to be creative and innovative, because they're going to be thrust into situations that you could only be prepared so much for, and then you'd have to get creative. Um, to survive. And that was something that was quite different from other branches of the service. Seemed to be. The stress on being creative, strategizing, being innovative, and being resilient. Right. And the SEALs in some ways were outside the box militarily um, in that regard. Um, and they were extremely innovative. And boy, had they f- we, we heard so many different situations um, that they faced. And I remember one couple who, who was sent to us the father had been a Navy SEAL, the brother was an active duty Navy SEAL, and the fellow that came to us was a Navy SEAL. And um, a beautiful, came with his wife, beautiful couple, and he came in his wheelchair. Um, what these guys do for fun, most of us couldn't even imagine, but he was ready to leave for, was it Afghanistan? On Monday. So he decided he was gonna, he and his buddies were gonna have a number of parachute jumps. And on his fourth one, his parachute didn't open. No. And I, I think it opened too late. And when he hit the ground, he broke his back and his pelvis. Tremendous pain. By the time he, we saw him, we were going to help him with his pain. But what really struck me was the resilience that he showed. And uh, what a beautiful guy. His wife was a, just a lovely... Most Navy SEALs are very handsome, and their ladies are gorgeous. And this couple was right out of Hollywood. But their attitude was astounding, and his wife was a strong young She woman. helped him come through a very hard, dark time. That's right. And quite a story, because he wanted to give up. I think they were engaged. And and he broke it off. He wanted to break it off and he got very depressed. He couldn't, his whole life was devoted to being a SEAL, going to dangerous missions. He didn't even blink about it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden he couldn't go. His brother went on many. It was going on him. His father was a SEAL. This guy was, they were all raised to be Navy SEALs. He didn't even think the Bud's training was difficult because he was raised like that. I couldn't believe it when he said that, but it was true. I know his daddy's a nice man, but he went, he was, he's, been a Navy SEAL most of his life in attitude, but a good man. But anyway, they were a beautiful couple, and uh, he wanted to, he broke off with her, and he just feel he didn't have anything. He was a, at that point a, was he a paraplegic or quadriplegic? I can't even remember. Yeah, I'm... but never complained. Mm-hmm. Um, he couldn't sleep at night. The pain was what do you say eight to ten? Eight on a scale of. One to ten, it was eight, between eight and nine or ten. Yes. Never complained. Um, really an astounding guy. But interesting, um, his current wife, his wife, beautiful young girl, um, wouldn't accept his break-off with her. And um, I think after about, was it, eight months, she wouldn't put up with it. And she came after him and she says, I'm not going to let you do this. And he said he didn't have anything to offer her anymore, and she didn't agree. Yeah, she was an astounding. She was a seal. She was amazing. She was beautiful, yes. and um, she stood behind. Him. She says, "We are staying together, and I'm not going any place. And basically, you better pull it together because we're going on with our life together." Yeah. Anyway, she was an astounding woman, young woman, uh, just uh, beautiful inside and out, and he was quite a guy too. When we saw them, they had been married. In fact, they had their wedding one year to the day that he had the accident. On the anniversary. That was her design. One year anniversary, yes. Yep. And uh, they came and and, uh, just a wonderful couple. We helped them with his pain. We helped her. Uh, We adored them. 
Um, in fact, when we went to a Navy SEAL convention, a conference that we were mm-hmm. in, we met them. They came and they had just adopted their first baby. Yeah. And I know they've adopted since because they couldn't have children. And uh, his answer was, well, now I have somebody to keep me company while I'm in pain all night, and I have to stay up. Now I can stay up with the baby. Take care of the baby. Yep, his attitude. And the other thing was they didn't want to talk about post-traumatic stress disorder in the SEALs. No. They said it's post-traumatic stress. Who wouldn't go through it if you're human after what we've been through? But it's not a disorder. For us, it's something we have to deal with and cope with. And it changed us. It changed my attitude. They also didn't want to be treated like they had some kind of mental illness. And here I am, a psychologist, psychotherapist, and they, and here I walk in the room and immediately I could feel it. And they, they didn't want anything to do with it. No. What they wanted was, one of the things we did help them with was the physical pain and recovering um, from the physical pain and the trauma that was in his body. We are very skilled at it. We've developed work for over the last 49 years how to do that. So I said, don't worry about it. We don't have to do anything psychologically or with mental illness at all. We'll help you with your pain. And we did. And he was very grateful. Um, And so was she. And they did begin to open up a little bit. Um, But not in the sense of feeling sorry for themselves. In fact, they didn't want anybody to feel sorry for them. But they did... They did need to get rid of some of that pain in their bodies. She was an incredibly athletic, gorgeous young woman. Um, I think she would swim at five miles every morning or something. And when they came, I mean, he was in his wheelchair moving it pretty darn fast. And she's right there at his side. And Benny, our service dog, was right at his side the whole time. Yep. That's Benny. And uh, wherever um, this seal went, Benny followed him and stayed right at his side, and his wife stayed at the other side. Yes. I remember that. But this was an outstanding family and a young couple. Anyway, we learned to have a deeper understanding and respect for adversity at that point. Now it's 2013. Mm -hmm. Um, Anyway, little did we know how that was going to, how our lives were going to be impacted by adversity that came through our lives and through the lives of others that we're helping. But it did, and it does. Today we specialize in it. Um, 2015, was it 2015? Steve, that's our producer. He corrected me. It was He was there. Yeah, he was there. 2015, excuse me. Yes. But anyway, um, and Steve loves that military because he was military. Army. And he was very moved by the Navy Medic. SEAL graduation. He was just awestruck. He loved it. So did I. Um, and we had front row seats because we were with command friends yes, of mine. So yes. we really had a good time. Yeah. Anyway, uh, yeah, moving on. Yeah, there's a couple of different directions we could go from there. And uh, mm-hmm. one is their attitude toward adversity and working through it. Mm-hmm. And the other is the the body and the contribution of the body uh, in emotions and in adversity and stress. And that's what we need to, t- we do need to be, we've alluded to it for so long and yet we do so much work with the body to help folks recover from traumatic situations. Um, and we do a lot of that. And, uh, and people come to us who want that. Well, those, that was the other topic that we received questions on after our last podcast is that that uh, n- people saying, yeah, I believe you, uh, stress, I hold it in my body, I'm starting to get a sense of what you're talking about, but I need to hear more. Well, some said that. A lot of us, they look at us like, 
like we're in space someplace and we have to kind of teach them how to, and these are caregivers, how to better take care of themselves and pay attention to their bodies. Many of them are breaking down with injuries, health issues after a while, and they don't know why. So we've had a lot of experience. We're continuing to to build our experience with caregivers. The last time, it was about a week and a half ago, we met with a congregation of Fijian caregivers. Yes. That, that was quite a learning experience. They were lovely, good people. Um, I saw their natural inclina- inclination for selflessness and caring and giving in such a just a natural way. Um, I was very touched. And when we spoke, when I realized, in fact, we're going to go back there because we're going to develop a training program customized for Fijian caregivers. But I think in this group, one of the things that, uh, that I was struck by is that in certain communities, cultures, um, I spoke to my mailman today, he's Filipino, and his, do- his sister's a caregiver. Uh, Philippine culture, the Haitians, uh, Fijians, I know other cultures do. They know how to take care of the elderly, the sick. They just deal with it from from childhood all the way on up. Children being caregivers. Yes. And for them, it's just a natural part of life. It's a condition of life that they learn to cope with like any other condition of life. We don't do that here in America. Very seldom. We need to. Um, but one of the things I did see, and that's, uh, to me it stuck out, is nobody teaches them how to take care of themselves. Self-care seems to be a, a gaping emptiness that is a concern because we see many caregivers burn out. We see many caregivers get sick and lose their impact and effectiveness. So we're committed to doing that. So anyway, uh, we're going to talk about that today um, because we're going to move forward in helping caregivers begin to pay attention to the exchange that they go through in the people with the people they're taking care of. There is a very natural... Most people who are caregivers are what they call empaths, people who are sensitive, caring, open, vulnerable people that have a more of a tendency to give and to care and to be open. And they're like an, an absorbent sponge. And that means if they can, they do do that. They're dealing with people in terrible distress. So, in the, the connection between the caregiver and the one receiving the care, there's an exchange of energy, and emotion, the, and, and the caregiver takes on some of that distress. The care has caregiver and what if, where are they going to go with that? Let's return to that. Okay. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to The Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. Uh, we've been talking about uh, adversity, about an experience that Peter had in uh, going to a BUDS training graduation. and That's uh, the Navy SEALs. The Navy SEALs. And mm-hmm. a quote of adversity introduces a man or a woman to themselves. Yeah. Uh, we also are following up on some questions from our last podcast. And I think we can put them together into one thing, which we were just finishing up on, which was uh, a recent visit we made to a caregiving group of Fijians. Mm-hmm. And we had questions about 
what did we learn? What did we see? What are their challenges? What are their strengths? And then we had questions about the body and how to relieve stress in the body. What does that like? How do we, as caregivers, how can anyone under stress and adversity better care for themselves? Yeah. So and let's get specific okay. today. That's one of the big blind spots for a lot of caregivers. And um, when we talk about the body, we're really talking about the biological side of emotion. And when we're when you're a caregiver, you're dealing with very distressing situations. So the emotional pain and difficulties are we're going to absorb it as caregivers. We're going to absorb some of it. We're we're there to nurture, to be selfless, to give, to care, to love, to nourish and nurture. That means we're putting our best side forward and more. Um, but we're also having to understand that being empath empathic people caring, sensitive people, we absorb so much of in the, within the relationship. I think many people would, would hopefully recognize that when they are in a position of caring in a loving way for someone, that they, they feel more open. They feel less guarded. They feel less reserved or uh, cautious. In order to be loving, there's a sense of being more open. That's absolutely a and part that of it. that being in that position in that role when you're open, things come in and then you're left with them. Okay, here's a, a we we've talked about this in other episodes. We have a way of dealing with it. We'll talk about that too. But one of the things is you don't have to be wide open. You're going to absorb it anyway. We we talked in earlier episodes about how we set up how people need to have some boundaries, um, and that's legitimate. Um, we talk about being wide open and having that switch wide open and you're just there. We talked about um, the off off switch, which is shutting off completely, and there are times that that's appropriate. And then we talked about pushing the pause button, which is one of our concepts, which means, well, temporarily, you're going to set up some boundaries. You've got to protect yourself. You've got to do your work. But eventually, you've got to get back to dealing with things because you've absorbed it. So even when you push the pause button, that doesn't mean you're not going to absorb. It just means you're going to deal with it later and be aware of it and not let it overtake you and just destroy you. So we, pre we work on preventing that. Um, we know that there's a big component of... Uh, fatigue emotionally and physically that people go through. We've all experienced it hundreds of times. Compassion fatigue. We know that there's secondary trauma. Trauma. We were affected by the people we're helping. Did you see that in some of the uh, the Fijian caregivers that that were? And I know I was there too. But I'm asking you, what did you see? Did you see fatigue and um, this burden yeah, of energy that I you're did. talking about? I did. I How did it look to you? What did you see? Well, I saw people that have a very giving attitude, and they've learned to cope with being very selfless and giving. And I saw a lot of people that were exhausted, and uh, they were tired, they were depleted, they looked quite a bit older, they were surprised to hear how old I was, Jenny um, at the, at the podium was sure to sh share with them how old I was, and they were 
all of a sudden they lit up. How the heck does he look like that? I thought it would grab their attention. It did. Because I saw what you did too, that they look old and burdened and tired. And they were in their 50s. And some of them were getting injured. And some of them were injured. Yes. Um, And and they worked very hard and they were depleted. One of the things that I see, and there is one component to our emotional lives, there's a spiritual side to us. Now for them, it's a religious thing and, and cultural in the sense that they spend time on Sundays. It's very important to them um, at church, and they have their own Fijian services, which we were privileged to be part of. Um, they they really reenact like being in Fiji. Their singing is beautiful, heartfelt. Their fellowship is very special to them. Then they have a, a lunch together that can last a few hours. And it's almost like a throwback to being in Fiji for these folks. But that's one of the things they do to replenish themselves. They believe, and I agree with them, that they're so far beyond their own personal uh, limitations that they believe, and I, I agree with them, the spiritual side of things is what keeps them fed and, and renewed. And I feel that way too. Uh, I saw it, but when I mentioned it, boy, the whole place went, agreed that they feel that's where they get a lot of their strength. And uh, so that part of their, that for the Fijian population is they do, they do spend time spiritually um, and, and fellowshipping, coming together in churches or uh, also charitable activities. I remember one, they go and feed the homeless every Saturday. Our local, yeah, our local shelter. They go and make breakfast on Saturday Beautiful, and Sunday. They love to cook. So, I mean, those yeah. things enrich them. One thing that I heard, too, and I know Haloa, who was here last podcast, heard, uh, is that the, a couple of the ladies we were talking to were saying that when they are caregiving mm-hmm. and they feel like they, as you were saying, are they going to have the strength? Are they going to have the compassion that they need to be uh, caring for these people that they care for, mm-hmm. that they, even when they are are there and they have the strength and they have the compassion, part of them always knows that it came from, for them, it came from God. And, I would agree. and that it, uh, it is an essential part of, of how do they keep doing what they want to be doing? How do they find this? And to me, this is a strong component of their lives. It's the other components that are very neglected. And most of them agree with me. We said, we're here. But what we see is uh, their baseline or understanding of their own emotionality and what it feels like and who they are. Um, they don't have a lot of awareness that I can see about that. They do things to compensate. And they just say, well, that's life and yada, yada. But the truth of the matter is it takes a toll. And they're not really aware of where they are emotionally themselves. So they don't really have that sensitivity to themselves. The other part of it is they don't really pay attention to their bodies. And boy, do they look at, at in their age to look as bad as they do. Um, not all, but most. They're tired. Yeah. And they're not aware of the toll that these emotions are taking on their life. The psychological part, the energy part, the 
the body part, they don't pay attention to it. And they, they don't make it, it a priority. Their, that I their could priorities, tell. they have some excellent priorities, which is uh, the community, that they stay in close contact Very with each so. other Very and support so. each other, yeah. uh, that they rely on their faith um, for a purpose, for their calling, mm-hmm. uh, but they don't make themselves a priority. No, they don't, and they pay a high price. Yeah. They don't understand what they're accumulating. We have seen, and you and I can attest to this, we know so many really wonderful caregivers, most of them Fijian. Um, We've also interviewed a lot of them that are not good at all. And what we really see is they've accumulated so much distress that they either, they'll start drinking, they'll start uh, doing drugs, uh, they don't show up for work, they're not reliable, or they're just doing it for the money. The, the money. Yeah. And that not that people don't need money, but just no. that that's the reason then a whole part of, of uh, is lost. And that's not going to work. When no. it comes to giving, if you make that your only, if you make that your primary, the tangibles, your primary focus, you're in trouble. Um, it's because to be involved in this condition of life, uh, you've got to go beyond the worldly attitudes which are we're here to get security financially we're here to accumulate we're here to get some strength power recognition the worldly things well when you work as a caregiver when you work in the in the areas of distress where adversity is it's a condition of life it's a very difficult part if you just focus on the material you're in trouble in no time you're going to burn out and not even want to work you'll be resentful you gain bit you'll get bitter you'll get greed oriented and boy things sour so the the caregiving relationship goes from being nourishing, nurturing, and loving to being resentful, bitter, and angry, and not wanting to be there. So everybody suffers, and the person you're going to you're supposed to take care of really suffers because they need you. So we've seen, unfortunately, we've been called in on too many cases like that, and we've had to change, get new caregivers quickly because we've seen how damaging this could be. So our what we know is that we've got to prevent that. And we know how to do it. Um, we have approaches to preventing burnout. We have uh, a, a kind of work that we do, and I don't want to call it therapy because we don't use it. We don't do psychotherapy anymore. It's it's for trauma recovery. We work with the body. We work the pain. Uh, we know how the body holds a lot of a lot of our emotional strain. Okay, let me. I want to stop you there just for a mm-hmm. moment because, mm-hmm. because again, this relates directly to a question that came to us, which was we've talked about that we can, that we have the ability to work with, and help people relieve the stress and burden mm-hmm. on their body, mm-hmm. and you're talking. You use the word how we know how the body holds pain. Yeah. Could you say that in a way that someone who doesn't know our work might understand it? Right. We call it the we call it um, our pro, our protocols for healing um, that involve the body work. Um, but what originally what I was trained in um, as part of my PhD work a long time ago was the body playing such a significant part in people's distress in life. Um, emotionally, psychologically. Um, at that time, it was I saw it only in a therapeutic sense, psychotherapy. I don't today. I see it as very human. 
but what I what we do know is that the body will absorb. It's the it's the reservoir, and it holds the stress. It holds the trauma, the effects of emotional stress, physical stress. Kind of like and a sponge. We are like a sponge, but we're also the body will create armoring, and and a musculature will get tight, and we won't always understand why. Well, it automatically acts as a protection. If we're absorbing deep emotional traumatic material um, and there's no way to get through it and there's no way to work it through at the time, it's held inside. And the body will set up its own armoring segments to hold that stuff in and actually push it down you where you don't even remember it. But and the also, body remembers everything. Also maybe to keep out any more. That's the other part of the shield. It acts as a shield. Um that shield, unfortunately, there's a time and a place where it's very appropriate. If you talk about a Navy SEAL or a Marine going into combat, they better have their armor on. And that's all there is to it. There's no room for vulnerability. There's no room for anything. No, no matter how horrible the situation is, they better be ready for it. But there's a time to let that go. And our nervous systems are set up to read situations automatically to tell you, this is no time to be vulnerable. The armor needs to be in place. You're in a dangerous situation. You need to, f it's a fight or flight. Uh, there's no, people do go into this freeze and you can't do that in, in combat. But we know that there's a time and a place when that is absolutely appropriate. If, if a child's raised in an abusive home or a home where the family's uh, in, in a lot of stress and distress, the mother and father are, uh, there's no love and there's a lot of abuse physically, emotionally, uh, both, um, these kids will develop armoring. So what I'm hearing you say is that the way our bodies work in this way, mm -hmm. there's a reason for it at times. It's appropriate. It's when it's going on, maybe without even us being aware of it, that it that it gets in our way and is not appropriate and to bring that around. Let's come back to that. Okay, are we on a break? You've been listening to the Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma okay. 103.3 FM. We'll be back after a short break. Welcome back to the Survivor's Guide to Life. I'm your host, Jenny Stevenson. We spent some time in our last segment talking about, a little, in a little more detail, what we saw in this group of caregivers from Fiji, uh, how their, their strengths in terms of their community connections and their, their spiritual life, uh, and their not so much strengths in terms of their awareness of the stress and uh, burdens that they were taking on uh, in their roles and the lack of uh, some self-care that would help them sustain and prolong in what they were doing. And we've doing. seen a lot more than just Fijians. Like a lot more than that. This, we're just kind of using them as a snapshot. Yeah. And just before we took a break, uh, I want to review because you were very clear about uh, something that we talk about frequently, which is how the body takes on this energetic exchange with someone that we care about for a caregiver, uh, that the body holds pain or distress like a sponge. And when we have taken on a certain level of this, we start to tighten up because we must, we feel like 
we feel like we are, are that we're getting overloaded and we've got to keep functioning. And if we're going to keep functioning, we can't be overloaded and overwhelmed. So we kind of control it, repress it, tighten up, or we tighten up to prevent more from coming in. Mm-hmm. It's like a barrier. It barri- it's a barrier to the outside. It's also a barrier on the inside to prevent us from uh, overreacting, over uh, not coming through uh, for the people who are counting on us. Uh, so, well, this is a subject that's very near and dear to my heart because I'm one of these very kinesthetic type, physical type people um, that I will feel emotional pain physically first many times, but I read my body and my body hurts and I know I'm in trouble. Um, We all do. I mean, everybody has it, but not everybody is tuned into it. Some people learn not to tune into it. In fact, many do because they've learned that it's not okay. It's not going to go anyplace. So they begin to put it out of their mind and they disconnect from their own bodies. We see this so often and their intentions are good. uh, They want to do good. And yet there's one component missing and that is the emotional connectivity is gone. And they don't even know it. No. Now, these are not bad people. These are people that just learned to do that their for coping, self-protection. Their coping mechanism uh, might be to go up in their head to be more analytical or um, yeah. academic. Uh, they cannot cope with, they have not been helped to cope with what's going on okay. in their body. That's right. But one of the things that we, we know is that um, in a healthy situation, there is a way of del- diffusing it and decompressing it and not not allowing that to to build up in ourselves to get what we call toxic buildup, right. which leads to resentment, bitterness, and burnout. What there is, There are ways to discharge it, to decompress it, to get rid of it. Okay, here's one of the things, though. You can't always do it at the time. Right. Right? But you do have to have an awareness and a sensitivity to your own body and what you're absorbing and at, know at some point you are going to have to deal with that at a more appropriate time where it begins to build on itself until you are holding so much of this, it piles up, that you begin to shut off, you begin to get resentful, you begin not to want to work anymore, you begin to not be a very nourishing, nice person anymore. And also what happens is you become a performer. And uh, as my wife has lovingly, well, she didn't say lovingly to one of our caregivers at one point, she said, you're a phony. And in my wife's condition, there are no more filters. She just says, what, mm-hmm. and she was right. She was right. And she had no tolerance for that. She want you either are going to be real with me and authentic or don't bother me. And when you're in my wife's condition, that's the way it's got to stay, which makes us more real and genuine. And it's a very valuable experience. Well... What we're talking about is our kind of work is helping people to decompress from that buildup um, to make sure that they get rid of it so they can go back. Now, the situations they go to in life aren't going to change necessarily, but the way they react and respond to a change. And when they do that, they also have a new sense of renewal and hope and resilience. Is it permanent? And the answer is no. Because if you're under duress, like we all are, no, you're going to have to do this again. And that's just the, that's part of your life. It's like being an athlete under uh, a football player. You've got to make sure that you're in good shape all the time because you're going back to the field and you're going to get knocked around and beat up. And when you come back, you have to take care of your body to go back into that um, competitive situation. What we're talking about is very similar. 
And if you don't, you're not going to be able to remain resilient, and you're not going to be a very nourishing, nurturing, or loving person after a while, including you're not going to love yourself anymore either or your loved ones, and we've seen too much of that. So our work deals with how the body holds this distress, and it's the musculature in the, we call it the fascia, and that's the connective tissue that runs throughout our entire body into every cell of our body. And um, in our trainings and and manuals, we have pictures of it and how to deal with it because we have so many techniques. But what we want is many times people come to us and they're stiff and they're tight and they're uncomfortable. And it's not only from an injury, it's because they've accumulated so much, their musculature becomes very rigid and tight, and that creates a constriction. And when this fascia, which is the components of the armoring, um, tightens up, it closes around nerves. And I think it's uh, 2,000 pounds per square inch of, uh, uh, of constriction. That's how tight it can get. And believe me, when that happens, there's going to be pain. There's going to be restrictions. In fact, the energy that is a natural flow within us begins to get uh, distorted. Mm -hmm. And when it gets distorted enough, it causes illness and eventually death. That's just the truth of it. And also, the fascia also cuts off the blood flow. That's right. And that's also one way that injury, I mean, that that disease and and, uh, syndromes happen. Absolutely. We call it the energy energy economy. In other words, we have, there's a natural flow of energy, and then when things begin to uh, tighten up, the natural flow is cut off. And I think we wrote a paper many years ago that was published talking about uh, what do you call those? Um, the fish? Uh, oh, the the jellyfish. The jellyfish. The pulsation. And you'll see the pulsation how they move through the water. Yeah. And it's very natural and flowing, and it keeps moving. It's very well. What happens is if you put a rubber band around their body, they will pulsate, but it'll be distorted, and all of a sudden their movement is very inefficient, inefficient and, and rigid, and, and, and eventually they die. Yeah. So where armor creates that kind of abnormality in your own body and in your nervous system remember a natural nervous system will tell you like automatically when you're in danger and you you will go into self-protection automatically and um, it will also tell you when the danger is gone and it will help the body discharge energy naturally and you'll go back to a normal self what we call normal self-regulation more relaxed and safe again Uh, the the most um, I think it's a really sweet now picture is you'll see you'll see deer that are in a field and they're eating and they're so at peace and all of a sudden their radar goes up that there's a predator around and all of a sudden their eyes bulge out of their heads the hair on their neck stands up their bodies get rigid and they go into hyper alert they know intuitively that there is danger they can either be killed or they can run whatever they choose it's a fight or flight where they can freeze if it's too late, by the way. They do do that. And they have mechanisms, even when they're being torn apart by a predator, that shuts that down. They almost don't feel it anymore. Okay, here's the thing that under under a normal state, when that predator is gone, the energy that it's took to be in hyper alert um, has built up their eyes, the hair on their head, on their necks is really standing up, and they shake really almost violently. And all of a sudden, that energy is dispersed, that the built up, and their systems automatically let go, and they go back to a more normal state again, and, and they feel safe, and they go back to eating in the fields, and their eyes soften, the hair on their neck goes soft, 
and they're just relaxed again. We have the same mechanisms in our brain that they do. Okay, when you're when you have abnormal armoring from from taking on too much distress, let's say, that's the rubber band that stops us from our normal reactions automatically, and our systems may stay stuck in hyper alert, and we can't get out of it. So our job is to help people recover from that after they've been through difficulties, traumas, and crises, to get through that, to release it, to renew, release the rubber band effect of the armoring, release whatever caused it, and help that system get back to normal self-regulation. Then you can you feel so much better. You can go back to the difficult for our caregivers, the battleground of taking care of someone in, who's very sick and dying, um, but with a much healthier attitude. You just feel better. You feel hopeful. You feel nourishing and loving again and refreshed. It's it's such a I, to me it's a miracle. I'll be honest with you. I've been doing this work for a long time, and frankly, it really helps me. And as I get older, I'm still extremely active uh, physically. Um, but I take care of where these, these kind of physical buildups because they hurt too much. But I know how to release it. And frankly, my life isn't getting easier. So I, But I'm able to cope and I'm able to stay resilient. We're, we're able to do it with Navy SEALs, with Marines, uh, with caregivers. We know how to do it. And with people like the Navy SEALs who don't want to deal with any mental illness, anything psychological, just physical, we'll deal with just helping them with their recovery and just giving them the resilience so they can go back in the field and do their jobs. We, we've been successful at it for a long time. Um, it's good work. I, we now have customized it for caregivers. And frankly, we're committed to helping them stay resilient, even though they're very committed to dealing with very difficult situations that most of us would avoid. Um, they live in adversity and difficulty and struggle and selflessness. And we want to make sure they stay that, stay in a way that they can feel good about their work, stay well, healthy and well and resilient, prevent illness, prevent accidents. We can do it. But we, we're committed because we see what they give. And without them, we are in trouble. Folks that are dependent and are, are sick and dying, and need, uh, some recover and a lot aren't. We need good caregivers. We want to make sure they, the caregivers are committed to self-care to keep themselves going so they can help others. To me, self-care is the missing component. We want to teach them about it. We want to help them with it. Uh, we do it. Um, but our passion now is, is, is really working with them. And we have our own pain about it. Don't think it doesn't affect us. Yeah. But we're able to step back from our own for a while and help others. That gives us a deeper sense of purpose for our own struggles and suffering. And I've considered that a spiritual part of the, our outlook um, because we go through things, and as we go through them and come through them, we're able to come alongside others and have a deeper sense of empathy and understanding and compassion and feel just as human as the people we're helping. Not doctor-patient anymore, no. but human-to-human. Human. And I love it. And frankly, it's a much more refreshing way of life. Not easier, but more refreshing. 
But anyway, we're getting the signs from our producer here. Yes. That we, we have two minutes left. The time has flown by again. Yeah. Uh, and one of the, do we answer the questions that were left over from the episode? I think we made a good start at it. Yes, we did. We talked we talked about a little bit more about what we saw with the with the group of caregivers and we we I think we got a little more clear about the challenges um for uh, what happens in the body and what we what some of our work uh, involves with this releasing of tension and how key that is uh, to returning to a state where you're not uh, uh, carrying the burden of pain. That's right. We break that we we, dis- we decompress or release the buildup. The buildup is natural. Yes. Again, don't put it into it's any human clinical and it's new. It's human and natural, and for caregivers in the world, the conditions that they work under yes. and are committed to, it's inevitable. The key is how do we keep them on their feet? And, and we'll going. and we'll return to this in 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 future podcasts because yeah. it's just so key. Thank yes, you. Is. Yes. You've been listening to The Survivor's Guide to Life on KPCA Petaluma 103.3 FM. I'm Jenny Stevenson. If you'd like to know more about our show or about Peter, Dr. Bernstein, please visit our website at thesurvivorsguidetolife.com. We are sponsored by Sonoma Coast Trauma Treatment. Please like us on Facebook and Instagram. Thank you for joining us. I want want to say one thing. I know this is a, we don't usually do this. We want to hear from people. Somehow, through um, the website, through emails, if you have any questions, we want to be able to answer them. So please, we're taking what you are, what you have to say seriously. We will respond absolutely as as we can because it makes our show more substantial and personal we have contact information on our website my email address is on there please as peter said get in touch we do want to hear from you thank absolutely. you absolutely